Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you on this fine, fine day? Hello, Sir Alan. I am doing great, and I am ready for a long Memorial Day weekend. How about you? Oh, me too. And you know what I really appreciate even more than that is that Mm. you're now using my title, Sir Alan, which, you know, uh, when I was knighted by the queen, I mean, there for a long time, you just would not use it. And I I got a little annoyed with you. I got to be honest. Well, look, I also didn't pick up when you had the temporary title of Secretary of Sheet Cake. But, you know, I realize (laughs) that this one may be a little bit more official. So, you know, Sir Sir Alan, it is. That was self-proclaimed. That's different. (laughs) But tastier. It was good. (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, this week we're reviewing Season 2, Episode 20, which is Summer Catalog. This episode first aired on March 25th of 2010. It was written by Katie Dipold. We've talked about Katie before. She wrote on Mad TV and Parks and Rec, and she was a story editor on a bunch of episodes. I think this is her third of seven. So she's got a few more coming up here uh, mm. in, in seasons three and four. Um, Ken Whittingham was the director of this episode. Ken, we know from, uh, I knew him from Office before Parks and Rec. At least that's where I kind of first noted him. But when oh, I, I went back and looked at Ken's bio, He's all over everything I've liked. Scrubs, Entourage, The Middle. Um, he's more recently on Blackish, uh, Grace and Frankie on Netflix, and uh, The Keenan Show. Oh, so, wow. Uh, yeah. So he's a pretty prolific director. And this is his first of eight episodes he'll ultimately do. Nice. Yeah. So I think, uh, Mark, that from a intro perspective, we also had a couple of guest stars here. Uh, we'll get into the meat of the episode in a minute, but we've got an opportunity for a couple of ex-Park directors, including Michael Gross, who I remember from uh, Family Ties. Is that right? Family Ties is where I first remember seeing him. I have a soft spot in my heart for Michael Gross from the great, great, awful movie Tremors. Oh, I remember that movie. Mm-hmm. That, that's a rewatcher for me, though. I don't I don't remember. I, I remember generally that I liked it, but I just don't remember a lot about it. It's horrible and I love it. Okay, fair enough. Is, is it a B movie or is it just I mean, it's a yeah, bad A movie? It, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, it's, but it, you just have to appreciate it. It's a Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward. That's right. Yeah. Reba McIntyre. The great Fred Ward. Yeah. Instant yeah. immortality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and that was before Reba was doing TV. So, yeah, that's got to be right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jack Wallace playing the terrific Clarence, who we'll meet here shortly. And then Dakin Matthews playing David, who I do not like. Mm. And we'll talk about that more, too. Me, too. I mean, I'm sure Dakin's a nice guy, but his character, David, is straight up a jerk. Yeah, he, he is all the way a jerk. I agree. He really is. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, do you have some synopses for us today? Do I ever? Wait, do I? Yeah, I do. Um, so I, <laughs> I was worried there for a minute. Yeah, it, it was trouble, trouble town. Um, so here's the deal. I was certain of an A story that just that that's just a no brainer and at least a B story. Now, I had a difficult time deciding if there should be a C story or not. Uh, I decided to make one. I'll let the judges decide. The judges have already decided no is the answer. But go ahead. We're curious what you did. Judges. I mean, they're curious what you did. Judges are mean. All right. So the A story I have as uh, my title is reunions can suck with like eight U's. I got hold it out there. All right. So working on the Pawnee summer catalog, Leslie puts together a reunion between Ron Swanson and his three park director predecessors. 
She hopes it'll be a joyous occasion and plans to write a letter about it for the catalog. However, they all suck. None of the four (laughs) men get along with each other, and they each have their own less than admirable traits. Clarence is sexist and doesn't think women should teach or hold powers or nothing. Um, David, oh my God, this guy, he litters. He treats everyone horrible. He never cares about the parks and maybe Satan himself. Um, Michael is uh, obsessed and talks all the time about marijuana. And uh, Ron is Ron. Um, <laughs> what will happen? Will David stop taunting Clarence? Will Ron end up killing Michael? Will Leslie convince the men to get along after all? Will her letter, her letter ever get written? Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Solid A story. <clears throat> okay. This is where things start to fall apart. Um, so my B story is uh, I have a titles of photo shoots can suck. <laughs> I started to run out of today. creative. Yeah. Um, yeah, clearly. You're phoning right. it in this week, Mark. I really am. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tasked with taking the cover photo for the summer catalog, Tom convinces Anne and Mark to pose for photos at a community park. Tom is repeatedly frustrated with Anne, who has a difficult time appearing happy. When the photos are finished, Anne agrees that she looks miserable and asks that the pictures not be used. Mark appears concerned that Anne's unhappiness is a reflection of their relationship. What's going on? Is there anything going on with Anne? Do the photos reveal actual unhappiness Anne has with Mark? Only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Mm. All right. And then we have the uh, C story, which isn't really a thing, I guess. But I'm going to say, here's the C story. Um, all right. The title is Relationships Can Suck. So I, I'm, I'm at it. I'm at a steam. I'm out of steam. Okay. Relationships can suck. <laughs> Mark can suck. That's the D, D story. Um, yeah. All right. So the C story. April and Andy have been growing closer. They've been hanging out more and, and playfully teasing each other, etc. After helping Leslie set up the park director reunion picnic, Andy asks April to get drinks after work, and she quickly agrees. But when they arrive at the bar, the bouncer notices April appears to be underage, and her ID confirms she is 20, which makes Andy uncomfortable. How will April handle this? Will Andy get over his discomfort? Will they go to another bar? All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Okay, I'll give it to you, but I will say this. <laughs> and I want to talk about that scene. We, I'm sure we will more later because I think it's got some some impact on on the trajectory of April and Andy's relationship, right? right. I, I think that's fair to say. Yep. Um, so because it does and because that's a long arc, I'm going to give it to you. Oh, I, I told the judges by. to go honk Herman and I'm giving it to you. Oh. I don't care what they say. <laughs> See you, judges. Judges right. can so. Oh, I'm done with that. Constantine <laughs> right. and his group of flunkies, they, you know, just get out of here. <laughs> what a bunch of muckety mucks. All right. All right, Mark. Well, those were great synopses. Why don't we move into our AKAs and then we'll uh, we'll get into the episode breakdown. All right. Well, uh, you want me to go first? I'm ready to go first. Want me to go first? Uh, yeah, go first. Even better. Giggity. All right. So I have two AKAs. Um, one is um, from Ron. Actually, I guess they're both from the A story, but I just love the A story so much. So one is yeah. from Ron where he is he is talking with uh, – he doesn't get along with uh, one of the park directors or former park directors a whole lot. And he's kind of a marijuana lover there. And so Ron says to him at one point they're kind of arguing, you know, and Ron says – I'm sorry, I can't hear hippies. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of Cartman there for a brief minute. <laughs> Dirty hippies. <laughs> hippies. <laughs> and then the other one is Leslie when she snaps. 
and uh, and because she's so trying to keep it rein it in rein it in these awful awful gentlemen and finally she just goes get out of your seat turds because <laughs> she's gonna take the photo call them turds i love that actually that reminded me a little bit of south park too it, mr hanky <laughs> i know <laughs> that's not why i'm pausing though mark it two weeks in a row come on no, I'm not. I, I, why would I make this up? I mean, it's so unimportant to the general scope of anything else in the world. But yeah, my not my A story. Number one, a.k.a. was come on, get out of your seats, turds. I don't even want to be here now. <laughs> I feel like Dante well, look, from Clerks. <laughs> we like a good set of planets were aligned. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess I'm not the end of the world. I may have. Look, uh, if I could hit control Z on my keyboard here about, I'm going to guess 140 times or so I could find the, my original choice and make you feel better, but no. it was also funny. I just don't remember what it was. No, it was funny. We can share it. We're adults. If it makes you feel any better, I did have a different B story and I chose one from the, B. well, okay. You know what I did? No, I cheated. <laughs> my, well, look, Tom is the leader of the B story. Fair. Yeah. So I took a Tom line. It's from the cold open, though, which isn't technically part of the B story. That's all right. It's canon. <laughs> but it is canon. I, you have to give me that. <laughs> I'll make you, sure you do. As what was your fact. AKA? So, so anyway, Tom, he eventually, he's got this, Ron's got this hat. Tom's trying to use it to attract women. And it's a, it's a Davy Crockett hat. And <laughs> everything's raccoon related, much like, like much of Parks and Rec in general. Right. And he says, your hotness killed my raccoon. <laughs> I just made me giggle. There was a lot of great uh, Tom outtakes in the deleted scenes. We'll talk about those for very briefly, but good sure. stuff this week. Yep. Agreed. All right. Well, Mark, let's get in. Let's let's delay no longer. Let's get into the breakdown and get this show on the road. Let's break it down. All right. Break it down. So we got our cold open. Um Somewhat lengthy. It's about 80 seconds um, going the non-plot relevant uh, route. And and you kind of alluded to what it was mostly about. So we see Ron, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who aren't uh, clearly viewers at home, uh, I'm witnessing uh, uh, Alan put on his own raccoon cap. Um, Look, I was inspired this week uh, by the line. <laughs> I mean, can, can I just set this up? I, you'll do a better job, but I just have no, to yeah, say Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go. yeah. So, so, so Ron enters the office and he's all jaunty and kind of, he's got some swagger this week, right? He's having a good day. We can see it. And then Tom just sees him and he immediately falls in love with Ron's hat. And he says the best words that have ever come out of Tom's mouth in, in the history of ever. He says, hey, do you mind if I rock that bad Larry? on my dome which ron doesn't even like he can't even translate he just that. stares at him yeah okay please proceed yeah because tom wants to try it on the ladies you know that, that, that's why he wants to rock that bad larry on his dome um I, I think you're right though i actually you said something i hadn't picked up on i think ron does come in with a little bit of swagger and oh yeah and, he's got and, a little bounce and, in and, step. Uh, ron and it's kind of a rainy morning which is kind of interesting yeah. it's i don't know why that's interesting i just noticed it because it's in a lot of the background scenes but ron well, and, and it's rare i mean i kid i couldn't remember other episodes where i've seen a lot of background you know rain you know what? That's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So anyway, Tom asks him for the hat and Ron kind of smirks at him. Yeah. Which is interesting and goes, be my guest. So he hands him the cap. And like you said, it, it, with your AKA, Tom tries in, in a series of, of, uh, of uh, jump cuts. 
Tom tries yeah. several pickup lines with various women, all all relating to or involving the raccoon cap or the theme of the raccoon cap in some way to, to no avail. Probably the funniest of which is the one you use like your hotness killed my raccoon. Um, <clears throat> I think there was one where a lady walked by and <laughs> he said something like, uh, Hey, are you a, a raccoon? Cause you're <laughs> running all around my hat, or my head. He screwed it up. Um, <clears throat> it was all delivery problems. And, and I think he even went to Donna at one point, mm, like asking yeah. for help and she kind of helped him and he like tried to go back out there, but he, so he didn't succeed. Yeah. So finally at the end of it, he enters Ron's office and he's disappointed and like, yeah, I couldn't do it. You know? So he gives the hat back and, and Ron takes the hat and he puts it on immediately. And it wasn't even five seconds after he oh, puts three, on maybe. The, 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 set, the, the hat that a woman from out in the hallway leans into Ron's office, says, great hat, Ron. Thank you, ma'am. And she leaves. And then he just has the the, the smirkiest smirk, smirk. Uh, I mean, for Ron, it's like thunder, oh, you know, it is. <laughs> and Tom's it's, just staring at him. <laughs> It's Ron's equivalent of smirking to Tom's open mouth grin. You know what? That's a great analogy. I agree. Yeah, it really 100%. is. I know we've already talked about the cold open probably longer than it actually ran, but I did <laughs> want to say two things. 81 seconds, right? I, to my memory, this is maybe one of the longest so far. Um, five scenes inside. So, so five scenes, you know, we're in Ron's office. We're in the hallway. We're at Donna's desk. We're back in the hallway. We're back in Ron's office. Literally five scenes in the cold open has to be the most complicated cold open we've had to date. And it's plot non-relevant, which hey, why not do what the hell you want? It's funny. Mm. And you know what? I think we're going to have, we'll wait till later to talk about this more, but I think we're going to see a theme of some of the decisions the filming decisions they've made in this episode it's kind of an interesting one that's a great point good good call well from here we are back in ron's office following the cold open and leslie enters ron's office and lets him know that she has a surprise for him yeah <laughs> he, he, she wants which i was kind of surprised at this because i just realized just now it was raining horribly that morning so now i'm thinking that what we know is going to happen might not have been a good idea but anyway she she comes in. It just occurred to me. She comes in. She, yeah, she tells him she has a surprise and to meet her at Harvey James Park at eleven thirty. Yeah. So leave a good you know three hours for the rain to dry. Um, Ron, <laughs> Ron pesters her incessantly to reveal what's going on, saying he's not big on surprises. Not uh, at all. Leslie refuses. You know, with a maddeningly uh, positive grin, just simply insisting he'll like this one. And at the end, she leaves his office. Ron, Ron mugs to the camera with a classic Ron frustrated, grumpy face for just a second, and then, you know, Leslie's like, "I'm not going to tell anyone." And then she's looking at the camera to a talking head, going, "Okay, I'll tell you." You know, us the audience, <laughs> and she she tells us. Uh, what we've already alluded to, you know, she's going to reunite all the living former park directors at a picnic and she's going to record it and she's going to write about it in the welcome letter section of the park department, parks department, a uh, summer catalog. And right. Leslie reiterates to those who aren't in the know, Alan, that the, the catalog is a big deal. Now, honestly, I'm not clear if others share this view that the catalog is a big deal or if this is just Leslie's opinion because she loves Pawnee. But either way, Leslie is stoked about this. What do you think? Well, well, I think, you know, first of all, if, uh, you know, if the catalog didn't exist, um, no one would find their way to the William Percy Recreation Center for these these classes. And that would be a tragedy. Mm, yes, it would. I completely yeah. agree. I mean, only then would that leave the opportunity to demonstrate your one skills at a party that Leslie was throwing, which, you know, 
she can never do again. <laughs> nice callback. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love the part there where Ron talks about how much he doesn't like surprises. In fact, his first wife, Tammy, threw him a surprise birthday party. And when oh, yeah. he saw people hiding through the window, he went to a gas station and called the police. So that's how much he doesn't like surprises. He does not like them a bit. No, not a bit. Well, after this, we are in the conference room and Mark, something amazing happened this week. We had this weird shot. Speaking of weird camera shots, you and I talked in our pre-show kind of warm up. A lot of weird camera angles this week we've never seen before. Yielding information like this did that this is conference room number 124 of the Parks Department. So I think this is a, pl a city oh, hall placard. That. Yeah, it's a city hall placard that's saying, hey, this is a conference room for the Parks Department. The room number is 124. I'd never seen it before. Interesting. That's it. That's the whole podcast huh. today. We got nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there. So for this, this is actually a fairly lengthy uh, scene. And, and the, the theme is they're planning, they're working together to plan the summer yeah. catalog. The whole gang's there, right? Yeah, we got Donna and Tom and Jerry. I like the cat and mouse. And and April and, and Leslie. So at least five of them. And and yeah. we see, and it's a pretty big conference room. And we see along one entire wall, they've got pages, I guess, stuck to the wall or laid out or whatever. So they can kind of visualize what the flow of it's going to be. So they're kind of, they're literally constructing it like as, as we speak um, or as we tell you. Um, <laughs> so they're, you know they're playing in real time, and, as the kids say. And is that what they say? I'm That's I'm out of touch say. with the kids. Yeah, they they look to you as an icon, not me anymore, Alan. Um, so at Leslie's request, Jerry shows his softball pictures uh, via the projection screen. And yeah. at first, Leslie gives Jerry some accolades for a job well done. But April <clears throat> points out that the man in the foreground is quote that creepy guy Morgan, the pedophile. And this makes the gang bash Jerry a little. And, you know, Jerry promises to Photoshop Morgan's face out of the pictures. Here it is. This was my other AKA that I, uh -oh. I chose to, to not use. I should have used it. And then we wouldn't have had that awful collision earlier. April says to Jerry, you know, he says he'll Photoshop it. And she goes, can you Photoshop your life with better decisions, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know. I I, yeah, I was thinking about this. You know how it, when we we just had our very, very Jerry centric episode, um, we with, did with, part, with Park Safety, and I yeah. think we kind of know that the gang doesn't hate Jerry, but even though they yeah. kind of you know punk on him a little bit, it seems I wish they would take their foot off the throttle a little bit, or at least April, because it does seem kind of that April is borderlining on mean. <laughs> Well, and, and a couple episodes ago, we talked about this. This really started when she got the job working for Ron and yes. she hasn't let up yet. So I'm curious and we'll see. We'll see if there's a warmth there that happens where she warms up to Jerry. Um, I kind of remember there is, but I don't remember the circumstances. So it'd be fun to rewatch that. Right, right. So, so you know, Jerry showed his stuff. Now it's Tom's turn. So, so Tom's in charge of uh, finding out what the cover photo is going to be for the summer catalog. And, Do you know what I titled this, Mark? Yeah, uh -uh. I, t I I titled this Tom mansplaining the goals for the catalog. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom-splaining. Tom-splaining. Oh, fair uh, enough. <laughs> oh, no, he's like a, I mean, you know, all the men. Not a real man. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Can you, can you let all the ladies and Tom come along? Um. So, yeah. <laughs> so Tom shows his work and his, his work consists of two uh, very odd slides. Again, on the projection screen so everyone can see. 
One is a man dressed up in what looks like office work attire running. Uh, and, and his quote is, uh, you know, Tom's being very, I don't know, he's a goober. He's a modern life. Where are we running? Sometimes what we want is not always where we are. So people are already looking at him like, dude, what are you doing? Next scene. <laughs> Or, or, or next slide, sorry, is is a picture of a tiny child standing alone at the side of the road <laughs> during winter against a lonely, dreary landscape. Tom's quote, are we alone is the real winter inside our hearts. We are all struggling for definition in a world that resists our inquiries. So at this point, <laughs> Leslie just says, I'm going to, uh, I got a flag on the play. Um, so first of all, this is not going to work because a this no. summer catalog and B on account of that with total gibberish and C <laughs> that child looks like it is abandoned. So <laughs> basically ooh, that's not going to work. Um, and then I love this. Tom pulls a stunt that he's tried before. Uh, so he yeah. like, cause he'd have a secret of photos and he's like, okay, go to the next slide. And he sneaks in what I think Tom obviously considers is a handsome, uh, pensive picture of himself holding a coffee cup, staring to the side. Uh, and he acts like it's a total mistake and then goes, Hey, but you know what? This could, this could work. We could, it, I mean, this is high res. It's high res photos. So we could use this as a cover photo. <laughs> Leslie's not having it. She just goes, okay, no. guys, come on, just pick a good photo. And, then she leaves because, you know, this is shenanigans. She got other stuff to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> I we call that the Michael Scott, by the way, putting really? that, that accidentally putting that slide in the deck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. <laughs> and then I, I love the end of this, you know, because Tom, Tom obviously loves this picture of himself. And oh. Leslie exits the room and Tom is gazing at himself, gazing to the side. And he just goes, <laughs> he's like almost in awe of himself because what is mm -hmm. he thinking? And April's like, why is my cup so tiny? <laughs> <laughs> it's a cappuccino cup. It's terrific. I know. I mean, April's really on top of the scene for sure. Yes, she I, is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, following that, we're going to bounce over to Pawnee General. Mark has appeared and he's tracking down Anne in the one of the hospital rooms and he's delivering her, I think, a sandwich. For their six month anniversary. Is that the sandwich anniversary? I did not remember that. That's uh, I, I don't know what the interpretation is at the 0 0.5 year uh, anniversary. Um, <laughs> we'll look it up. Maybe Constantine, it go figure that out. Yeah, maybe it is chicken salad. I, I don't know. But so, yeah, as you said, he visits her in the hospital and. He he says, see, I actually had a hard time figuring this out because he tells her, hey, happy six month anniversary. So he's clearly cognizant of it he has a chicken salad sandwich behind his back so he's clearly prepared kind of to to give her something representing it and then he's also prepared to tell her not to feel bad about getting anything and then she goes you know oh look swiss army watch mofo which i thought was awesome so yeah. she way out gifted him so good oh, for way her gifted. but now yeah. i'm like mark has been trying really hard lately so th this was kind of odd that he kind of I wouldn't even say he phoned this in. Like, I don't know what he was thinking with this. Oh, he phoned it in. All right. And then he basically pointed out the fact that the phone was still in his hand. Um, I mean, he could have just probably been better off to have actually forgotten it in this case, because I don't know that every significant other would be upset that you forgot a six month anniversary. Because like you said, it's not necessarily set in stone that that's a celebratable 
anniversary. I guess my problem with this is that if I was in Mark's shoes and I realized the six month anniversary was now and I didn't have something, I think instead of visiting her with a chicken salad damn sandwich, I would have <laughs> not visited her and visited yeah. the jewelers or, or I mean, or whatever. But, but yeah, I would yeah. then I go, hey, happy six month anniversary later in the evening when I have a gift and not at all chicken salad sandwich. I mean, that would have made so much sense. Anyway, it was kind of funny. <laughs> it was funny. Well, after that, we're I think we're at the City Hall Motor Pool. It's a, it's a spot we've never really been in that I've ever noticed anyway. And April and Andy are playing toss with assorted foods as they I think they're waiting on Leslie at this point. Yeah, I, I, I tried to look carefully. I think. April is throwing rolls like she's got a bag of, uh, of dinner uh, rolls and she maybe is like throwing yeah. them like softball style at, at Andy. And he's kind of catching them in what he, Yogi calls there a picnic basket, a picnic uh, basket. as yeah. she's throwing them. Um, so very nice, playful interaction between April and Andy. I, I really like this scene. Um, and, and Leslie finally joins them. And reminds them, the kids, don't play, don't play with the food. We need this for the big thing. That do we have everything? And Andy says, you know, yes, ma'am, we do. Uh, you know, we got this, this, this. But when Leslie asks about the smoked salmon, <laughs> Andy tells her apologetically that April threw it up on the roof. <laughs> oh, kids, so, I guess kids. she's not that good of a softball player. No, apparently not. <laughs> Well, in the following scene, we're back in Leslie and Tom's office. Anne has entered and is looking for Leslie, who has uh, reportedly just texted her from Tom's phone. Oh, Anne, come yeah, on. Yeah, you, you know better. That than old that. trick, Good that old gem. Uh, gosh. So, yeah, Les- uh, the, the moment Anne enters Tom's office and says, I am here, Tom, because Leslie texted me that she needed me from your phone. And why did I ever believe it? I mean, even she calls shenanigans yeah. on herself like yeah. moments after she arrives. And then, Seconds later, Mark comes in and which this is a pretty funny moment for Brendanowitz. Like he mm-hmm. comes in and he's like, Tom, I've told you there is no such thing as a city planning emergency. <laughs> Turns to Anne, smiles and says, oh, hi. So clearly neither was expecting the other to be there. This is Tom's right. machinations here. So yeah. Tom tells team and Danowitz that he wants the two of them to be on the cover because uh, they're good looking uh, uh, people there uh, of the parks department summer catalog. And Anne's not real thrilled about this uh, idea. Well, she's, no, she, she just had a 12 hour shift. Yeah. 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 And she's not, yeah, she's not in a good place, but, no. but Mark is kind of excited. He's pumped to see, he says, look, we don't have any pictures of just the two of us, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tom talks Anne into doing it by, I think, leveraging how important it is to her bestie, Leslie. And she's like, okay, fine. Yeah. Well, and from there, we, we actually head over to Harvey James Park. Leslie and April and Andy arrive at the park and almost immediately the first of the three living uh, remaining park directors arrives. I think Leslie has a lot of high hopes for this. And I think and David Moser, I think, Alan, is the first one who arrives. And so that's correct. I, I won't go into a ton of detail, but immediately upon talking with David, it, he's not the most pleasant of people and that this trend kind of continues. Um, so once all the gentlemen arrive, you know, Leslie wants to take a moment and, and appreciate uh, how lucky they all are. Oh, so I should say, you know, the, so the, the, the former living park department's directors are the oldest is Clarence Carrington yeah. followed by his successor, David Moser, who's right. the first one to arrive and then followed yeah. by yeah. Michael Gross uh, playing Michael Tansley, uh, yeah. who was then succeeded by 
Ron. So once they arrive, Leslie wants to take a moment and appreciate how lucky they all are. However, almost immediately, the four men begin sniping at each other, Ugh. making it obvious that they do not get along at all. No. Now, despite this. David wishes Clarence were dead. Clarence <laughs> says he's going to outlive David and nail his wife. <laughs> Ron and Michael go at each other. It's something about pot. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh for sure. For sure. Um, but you know what? But true to Leslie's spirit. She stays positive, even in, in the face of this adversity, and she starts yeah. leading the gang towards the picnic area. Yep. I don't know how she does it, but she either. does it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the gang is on this path walking to the picnic site, and it's kind of dragging on. And I think we're about to learn just exactly how hungry Ron is. <laughs> there is no yardstick that can measure it. Um, no. But yeah, you're right. Leslie realizes this is ending up to be quite a hike. I mean, especially for uh, old Clarence there. And um, she asks April and Andy, who are carrying the vast, vast majority of the the, the picnic goods, uh, to go ahead and uh, run up ahead and set everything up. So when they get there, finally, everything's going to be ready for them. And so April and Andy depart with everything, including <clears throat> the food. And Ron is mildly alarmed as he is starving having had only one breakfast um leslie asks ron about the sniping but he's not really sure only knowing you know michael tansley at all and not being horribly fond of him to boot ron continues to complain about his hunger and whines and leslie knowing ron tells him that she cooked some bacon as a trail snack ron however i love this tells leslie i ate it already I could smell it in your purse before I even parked my car and now it's gone and I hate everything. And he runs on ahead like a child throwing a tantrum. Oh my God. Oh, that made me laugh. That was so good. You know, Mark, there, uh, we, we frequently do mention a deleted scene when it's relevant as we go through this and then we'll occasionally play one today. And today I want to do both. So there is a deleted scene that kind of sets up where the hell are we actually even headed in the park? Mm. Um, and the deleted scene is actually a little kind of funny and it's pretty short. So okay. why don't we play it real quick? Sure. Oh boy, this is taking a lot longer than I thought it would. Can you guys run up ahead and set up the picnic? Sure. Should we set up anywhere we want? Yeah, anywhere is fine. Oh, you know, there's a bunch of park benches on this path. There's one in particular, like seven tenths of a mile up on the left. It's right at the bottom of the hill, kind of on a platform shaded by a big tree. So anywhere around or on that particular bench would be fine. So our choice? Yeah, sure. Just choose that bench. Go. <laughs> so there you go. So seven tenths of a mile away, which apparently takes four old dudes a really long time to get to. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Well, especially if one of them is really, really hungry. Well, that's true. Yep. Yeah. So we cut away for a brief minute and we're now at a community park playground. Obviously, we're no longer at Harvey James Park. But Mark, I couldn't really discern what park we're at, but it, it looks to be in the middle of an actual neighborhood. and It's got a really nice playground. Yeah, you know what? I, I actually hadn't thought about it like that. I just kind of interpreted it as a nice uh playground like lots of, of kids uh, playground equipment around and so like they're kind of you know because because leslie's cliched shot right that she described to tom is well yeah i yeah. want a, a you yeah. know a, a happily married couple pushing a kid on a swing like right oh, good. so that's what tom's gonna give her and so that's yep. kind of the, the the theme here um yeah so yeah mark and ann are literally uh ann perkins 
pushing a, I'm nice. sorry, that's too much. Uh, Come, uh, it's coming up soon though. It I know really it is. is. <laughs> uh, marketator pushing a small child who we later learn is Bobby mm-hmm. on a swing set. And Tom finally announces that he thinks he got the shot that Leslie wanted. Leslie's boring cliche shot. And Mark goes, Oh, are we, are we done? And Tom's like, Oh no, 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 not even close. Now the real art begins. And then <sighs> Tom starts to have Mark and Ann do some very, odd, crazy things in the name of art. Um, And and as they try to follow Tom's uh, bizarre uh, avant-garde instructions, it seems as though, for whatever reason, uh, Tom's very pleased with Mark's performance. He's just really hitting it, man. But Anne is apparently, at least according to Tom, failing miserably. Yeah, I, I thought this scene was really interesting. You know, I mean, first of all, we there's another deleted scene here we won't play. But Tom is really after something special here, right? Um, I called him auteur Tom in this uh, in my remarks. He he's very avant garde today. He's going for something. Um, he's basically in one of the deleted scenes told them to to act like snakes. I don't know why, but it's what he wants to see here. And so he's got these lines where you know out of context he just goes keep slithering, keep slithering, but you have no idea why. So yeah. it's almost funnier without knowing that he told them to act like snakes. Well, if if, if memory serves, Alan, he he wants. And to slither like a snake. Mark obviously is being told to act like he's reaching up to catch a blimp. <laughs> or maybe just to see a blimp. I, I, I may have got that screwed up. I, I don't remember. And <laughs> don't either remember way, either. <laughs> it creates a very interesting visual. Yeah. Well, back at the Harvey James Park, we've we've taken a little respite for the older folks here. And and Leslie takes the moment to start her interview with uh with the I think the eldest director, Clarence. Yes. Yeah. So there it looks like Leslie and Clarence are are resting on a bench, which I, I thought was interesting because I thought either the rest of them have to be resting as well, or maybe the rest of them rest of them are going so slowly that taking a, you know, they'll two, catch up. Yeah, it is not a problem. Um, so yeah, they're resting on a bench and and Leslie is asking him questions and recording his answers on a handheld device. And Clarence recalls that the 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 year of the first summer Pawnee catalog, they offered uh, four classes and he actually taught homemaking since women were not allowed to teach back then. And Leslie <laughs> disputes this like, oh, I don't, I think that they were allowed. And he's like, no, not in my department. That's <laughs> okay. Um, and, 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 and Leslie tells Clarence that she wants to be the first female director of the apartment. And this mildly uh, alarms Clarence, I think, who tells yeah. Leslie, Oh, Women need a lot of blood to flow through to their uh, baby centers, which leaves less to the brain, you, you see. Oh, my God. And then uh, <laughs> and, and I think good for Leslie. She's just kind of nodding along and going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then Clarence, she, su- <laughs> Clarence suggests, she go, he says, I, I would suggest that you stay away from leadership roles uh, uh, for for your own safety. And then he's got a patner on the head while he does oh that. Oh my God. Oh, what a piece of work. Mark, but here's, <clears throat> here's the thing. I don't think Clarence means this aggressively. Well, no, but at no, the same but, time, he he's 150 and he's a little <laughs> out of touch with some everything. And so, uh, you know what? Fair enough. So to be, I'm not condoning his behavior. I think yeah. I'm, I'm I'm finding an interesting split between how he's acting and how we're going to see like David act. 
Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? That's, that, yeah. So. No, great points. Yeah. No, I think you're right. If if this conversation happened had not happened, and maybe one other small version of it later, I'd like Clarence a lot more than I like David. Um, yeah. As it stands, I dislike them both, but for different reasons. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we cut away for a brief moment. We're still in Harvey James Park, but we've Andy and April have arrived at the ultimate picnic site and they're beginning to set up and uh, Andy has found the cheese whiz. Oh, has he ever? He is just making, as we say, Alan, as the kids say, he's they're making the label go vertical. Um, you know, just, just putting it right upside down like you do. Um, yep. And, and April's laughing at it and mildly protesting it, but I think she thinks it's really funny. And Andy mentions to April as they're setting things up um, that he should write a song about a picnic. And April chimes in on the title. And Andy thinks that's pretty cool and suggests that April maybe could help him write the lyrics, perhaps over a drink at Tucker's bar. Now, April tries to play this, you know, cool, like it's not Mm. a big deal, but she's clearly a little excited about this like I, she's yeah. almost almost stammering a response to andy she's she's pretty hyped about this which is something for april right oh yes for sure absolutely well we're back on the pathway at harvey james park and we've got kind of another one of those great walk and talks as leslie and the directors continue their walk to the ultimate picnic spot at this point leslie's kind of hanging back near the rear with uh <laughs> with david moser and just like she was kind of asking Clarence questions, she's asking David interview questions. You know, uh, when asked what drew him to the Parks Department, uh, he says, you know, I was in public work for eight, eight years, but the director was pretty young. Uh, mm-hmm. Clarence was old and weak, so I put in transferred and swooped in and pushed him out. So apparently that's why he came in there just to like kick Clarence out. That's what attracted yep. him. And, and then he clarifies to Leslie in case that wasn't absolutely crystal clear. He just wanted the money and the pension. This actual job is a nightmare. You know, like <laughs> to quote him, who gives a crap about this crap? <laughs> and, and, and during all this, might I add, just in case any redeeming qualities tried to shine through from David, he's littering on the ground in front of Leslie, like first with an empty soda can, then a used yeah. facial tissue. And Leslie is rather disillusioned at all this, as you can imagine. Uh, well, in the deleted scenes, there's a, you know, we, in the, the canon episode here, we see her actually pick up the soda can, but not the tissue. Well, you know, in the deleted scenes, we not only see her pick up the tissue, but then there's a deleted talking head and she is not happy with David at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which we're right there with her. Absolutely. Back at the community park, uh, we're on the playground again and Mark continues to do pretty well with this photo shoot, but, and not so much. Mark and and especially little Bobby are doing great. And Tom tells them that they can go get juice boxes. That's their reward, I guess. Like Bobby is doing so great. He can have all the juice boxes he wants. Um, And he has Ann go take a walk with him. He's going to he's going to straighten her out, I think. And and, and I think to to sum up what he's trying to tell Ann is, is he said, how could someone so hot be so bad at looking hot? And. And doesn't know what to do at all this. Like she's growing increasingly frustrated, not, not only with Tom's attitude, it, coupled with his complete lack of helpful guidance. And she just got off a 12 hour shift. And finally, Tom says, well, you know, I didn't want to have to do this, but we may have to go nude to save this. And she's like, OK, goodbye. <laughs> she just walks off, which as well, she should. Uh, Tom, 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 mm. what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, we're back at Harvey James Park, and I think they are now within visual range of the picnic site, and Ron has a visceral reaction. 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> they approach the final picnic area. And I think uh, I would like to get like a slow motion of Ron, oh. like when he like first looks up and sees the picnic area. Eat. <laughs> and then he, <laughs> he takes off like with this weird bowed arm, you know, rambling as he does, like trying to get to the bacon as fast as he can, I think. Um, and, and so far, Leslie has had a lot of reason to be disappointed, but she's trying to stay positive. You know, <laughs> once once they're seated at the picnic table and eating, um, Leslie starts talking about the summer catalog. David immediately chimes in and just says she should just copy the Eagleton one. I used to just copy the Eagleton one. She's like, oh, did you? That's that's nice. Uh, I was hoping you could say something <laughs> helpful. Now, Michael looks like maybe he's going to chime in with something helpful. Michael compliments Leslie on how she's maintained the parks. Leslie greatly appreciates this, and she tries to kind of latch onto this, you know, get some get some momentum. However, Ron destroys the illusion, mentioning that Michael is uh, still on parole and used to smoke pot constantly everywhere including yeah. the office and all the parks all the time and michael tries to argue with ron and defend marijuana and the other stuff and then that's when ron puts it uh, i'm sorry i can't hear hippies <laughs> yeah that's terrific well mark a couple things that i enjoyed about this sequence and it's kind of a long sequence i think we just kind of covered roughly half of it um so one two more interactions with these former park directors uh clarence first of all um <laughs> who says you really shouldn't be leading us if you're menstruating you'll attract bears <laughs> so <laughs> this is and leslie's reaction is holy god yeah. <laughs> Which so brilliant. Oh my God. I felt the same way. I felt yeah. for her, in fact. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. And then David's standing over in this field, and you think maybe just having a brief moment, enjoying the beauty of the nature that surrounds him. No, nah, he just whizzed on a butterfly. So if you didn't like him before, you really don't like him now. You know what's really bad about that, too? That was like a punctuation mark on a Leslie talking head <sighs> where she's clearly becoming deflated but she's trying yes. desperately 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 to stay yeah. positive and in the background we see david's back turned and right as she's like you know i'm, I'm it's it's gonna be good it's gonna be good it's gonna be good like she's trying to convince herself and then we hear him go <clears throat> hey i just whizzed on a butterfly <laughs> oh so that's it's not going well oh uh, we hate him yeah we do hate him the, the in that second part of the sequence mark the only other thing i would have mentioned was and I don't know if you picked up on this, and I was going to mention it in our tropes later, but Michael, pot smoking Michael, not only mentions that he basically planted pot everywhere, but he mentions that he put it in community gardens. Mm -hmm. That's a nice callback to the stakeout, if I remember. It is a, it is a callback to the stakeout when they, Leslie and Tom are uh, looking for the the, the marijuana there, mm -hmm. and they're just wondering where this came from. Right, they're David, going after the kingpin. Yeah, the kingpin, right. Well, apparently Michael was the kingpin. Yep. I think you're right. Yeah. Yep. Well, from here, we, we kind of do this really cool whip pan and uh, we're still there with those folks. But just a few feet away, April and Andy are having their own picnic on a little blanket and it's kind of nice. Right. Right. They have a nice a, little respite from all the, the jerkery. <clears throat> I know they have a, a few little funny lines, but nothing really of note happens with them. But it's 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 clear that they're getting along. They are. And April likes old men with long eyebrows. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. And, and after the whip pan, they kind of uh, additionally whip pan 380 whip pan. Reverse, yeah, they re-whip, reverse, they re-whip it. Re-whip it good. They go back to the picnic table. And at this point, things are rapidly deteriorating. So the, the men are just poking at each other nonstop. And, and Leslie is now openly pleading with them to be civil and say anything positive. Now, when Clarence sees her upset, he asks her if her friend came to visit and she <laughs> snaps. My God. Clarence, if you mention anything <laughs> about women or menstruation or anything, I'm going to take your face and I'm going to shove it in those brambles. And David, who we hate, like pumps his little fist and goes, yes. And she goes, no, no, you're next, buddy. And that's so now at this point, we can mark it here. This is where she loses it. She oh, screams, yeah, she's, Eddie, she's let's take this picture. Come on, get out of your seat, turds. Like she's she's demon pissed now. Line up over there. Come on, just please try to look human. All right, not so evil. Everybody looking here. One, two, three, go. Thank you for so much for the wonderful memories. Everybody take your stuff and go. <laughs> she yeah. is completely D-U-N done. Yeah, with a capital done. Oh, I think Andy does say at the end, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, and can we do a funny face one? Oh my God. <laughs> Poor Andy. Talk about not being able to read the room. No. Yeah. Or or the community uh, park, whatever. But Poor Leslie. She is completely disgusted at all this. Oh my God. Ugh. Well, this this whole sequence, in addition to learning that, you know, it's Michael who's planted the pot in all these community gardens. We also and we learned earlier that David had pushed Clarence out. Well, Ron pushed Michael out. I did you catch that? that? I did because I, Alan, I remember at one point we actually had, uh, gosh, it was one of our mailbags, and someone wrote in and said, "Why, why is Ron there?" And I remember Mm. at that point, you and I were like, "That's a great question. We don't really know because he hates his job." But the the implication here is that he made a purposeful decision to pounce on uh, Michael's job. You know, yeah. this, this this getting this position is like winning the Game of Thrones. Oh, my gosh. At any costs. <laughs> Who knew? Nuts. Uh, well, we'll have to see how Leslie kills Ron in order to get his job later. So, yep, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're after this. You know, I think we're back at City Hall. It's kind of dusk. It's evening. I think they're putting in the long hours to get this catalog done. Capital done. <laughs> D-U-N done. Yeah, we see the street lamps like just starting to come on. So I think it's just kind of late and they're just putting burning the midnight oil there. Um, Leslie asked April for Andy's picture of the four men. And apparently April, April and it's not good. You know, they're, they're all grumpy and stuff. And, and April tried to Photoshop it so they looked happy, but they he was an, unable to do so on account of their mouths are so old. I guess she did the, the limited flexibility there. Um, oh, God. So Leslie is just disgusted at this. And she mentions, I don't even know if I want, I don't even know if I wanted them to be in the catalog. And April is trying to be helpful. And she mm-hmm. says, well, would you like, and she holds up, she said, would you like these men in your catalog? And she holds up a blurred out Photoshop uh, picture of Ron and his three predecessors depicting them engaging in a censored homosexual orgy. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's Leslie, like half human, half stick figure it is terrific. <laughs> and Leslie and Leslie Chris uh, looks at it and says, oh, my God, April, that's disgusting. And April says, what? Look how generous they're being with each other. <laughs> 
Oh April God. had some killer lines in this episode. <laughs> she absolutely did. Yeah. Uh, and and then like there's another little half to this scene. Uh, you know, like they're they're all scrambling to get the summer catalog ready, right? And so right, Tom's right. part of it is he was tasked with getting the cover photo. And Tom's going over the pictures that he took with Mark and Anne. Right. And looking at the final product, even Mark and Anne can see how, quote, unhappy Anne looks in the picture. Enough so that Mark actually asked her if something was or is wrong. Um, Mark, do you mean the unhappy wife photos? Yes, the, those, <laughs> the, the the unhappy wife photos, as I think how Tom titles it, good call. Yeah. Um, Anne denies anything is wrong, blaming the long shift and the annoying Tom uh, for right. her mood and suggests that they go grab dinner. I don't know that Mark is convinced at this. Um, no, he he says, okay, but you can see the way he says it. There's a, the, you know, the hamster's in the wheel and it's spinning. And he's, I, I think he's starting to worry about where he stands with Anne. Yeah. I think he got the hamster in the wheel from April's part of the camel photo and it's spinning in his head. Or wait, that's the old <laughs> guy eating meat. I yeah. forgot how that goes. Okay. No, anyway, so at, at the yeah. very end, Anne asks Tom before they go, he's, she says, please don't use any of these pictures. Like clearly she does not like them. She's embarrassed by them, et cetera. So yeah. now yeah. where does that leave him, huh? Good point. You know? Very good point. Well, following that, we're in Ron's office and Leslie enters. And, you know, I think she let the the other guys mostly have it earlier, even though Ron was there. Now she's going to pretty much let Ron have it as well. Oh, yeah. Her sights are on Ron now. So she enters office and she is M-A-A-A-A-D mad. <laughs> and and she's angry and she's frustrated. I mean, as well, she should be. She throws a blank piece of paper on his desk to emphasize that she got nothing from Ron or his jerk uh, predecessors, which was really funny. Ron <laughs> says, Ron looks at it, the blank sheet of paper, and says, uh, did I hear the printer going? She's like, yeah, I printed it out. And she, he says, uh, he could have just handed me a blank piece of paper. Like, oh, wisdom. Thank you now. <laughs> so she is finally, so, she's so <laughs> mad. And, and then also just to, to, to also further punctuate yeah. it, Leslie throws the photo on Ron's desk saying, you know, yeah. this, the hell with this, you, you can keep this, you know, and Ron turns it over because I think it landed on his <laughs> desk upside down. So he turns it over and it's the, it's the censored homosexual orgy picture yes. with yeah. the, the half person, half stick figure. And <laughs> this is brilliant because it, it would this. be one thing for Ron to go, oh, ha ha. But he like looks at it semi-seriously <laughs> and says, good God, I don't. I don't remember this. <laughs> Maybe he thinks he had some scotch at this picnic. <laughs> that, that could be. Um, so Leslie tells Ron that she's replacing the welcome letter segment she was planning to create with the content coming from the picnic uh, with an ad from for Yearning by Dennis Feinstein. Oh, um, you know, as Leslie puts it, yep, goodbye, distilled wisdom of 50 years of experience. Hello, disgusting fragrance flap. Yep. Ron is, I think at this point, feeling a little bad. And I think he's yeah. kind of scrambling. He said, let me buy you dinner. And she's like, no, no, no. I insist you buy me dinner. Like that's happening. Um, and, and I just want to make a note here. It seems like she's mad for sure. But I don't think she's so much mad at Ron exactly. I think that she's so frustrated and disillusioned by this whole thing. And he's... Yeah. To blame, at least partially, but I don't think that this is explicitly targeted at him. I, 
I, I agree. He didn't make the situation bad. He made the bad situation because the other three jerks worse because he kind of, he bought into it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you're right. And I think she's kind of going to forgive him, especially after, you know, this dinner. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, following that scene and before Ron and Leslie get over to dinner, you know, April and Andy are finally meeting up at Tucker's and, uh, you know, doesn't go so good. We, we see April and Andy getting ready to enter a bar and the bouncer asks for April's ID. And April tries to act confident, saying she's 24. Well, she tries and- to first just go straight in the door. Like she does, oh, she's yeah, going to yeah. not even give him a chance to card her. But man, he just sees her and goes straight for it. Yep. Yep. And, and, uh, yeah, she, he stops her and insists on seeing her ID and April resignedly because she knows she's not going to get away with it. She yeah. gives him her ID and then the bouncer uh, tells her, like, you aren't going to try to trick me. Like, you know, your ID says you're 20. Now, when he says these words, the camera pans to Andy's face for a second. And you can cl- see he clearly is surprised at this and looks a little uneasy. So the bouncer says Andy can go in. Uh, but Andy starts to to back away and, and April tells him she knows of another bar that always lets her in. Right. But Andy lamely says that he should get going home, that he has a lot of stuff to do, clean, etc. <laughs> Watching April's face here is heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. And, and she tries to collect herself a little bit and she's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. You know, I gotta, I gotta go home too. And he's like, all right, see ya. It just walks off and, Oh, just heartbreaking. Oh, Alan, I wanted to make a note about this, too. I, I, I think that I have to think Andy meant this to be a date, because if not, why would he get so awkward about April being 20 if she were just a friend? So I'm, I'm, I'm making this point to say if we ever wondered if Andy were viewing April as like romantically, I, I feel like this is pretty positive proof of that, that he was at least starting to. Would you agree? I'd absolutely agree. And in fact, they're in the deleted scenes on the path on the walkway to the picnic site. There's even more kind of, you know, playful banter with them. And he gives her a piggyback ride. And I mean, if he isn't thinking of her that way, boy, am I confused. Right, right. And and April yeah. would rightfully be confused herself. Um, all I was going to say there was that, you know, the way that April, this crushing sequence you mentioned, watching her react, but try to play it cool is the opposite of her trying to play it cool when she's excited earlier. Now she's trying to tamper down that disappointment. And, you know, we're, we're silently happy for her earlier and silently just sad for her here. Right, right, right. I mean, we, you know, as we've said before, like she, she plays it so cool and so monotone that to see any emotion come from her is like thunder. And this is just heartbreaking. Like I just totally felt for her. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, in the next sequence where we are finally, I think we're at JJ's and Leslie and Ron are seated and uh, a familiar waitress named Marta comes over and starts taking their orders. You know, JJ's and breakfast food makes everything better. And so they they both simply tell her the usual, please, uh, you know, one after the other. And so she's like, you got it. And um, so Leslie's frustrated and she's a bit sad and she just and again, like we were saying, I don't think she's angry specifically at Ron, but she's kind of venting to him like just the day this day sucked. It just sucked. And. Ron asks her what she expected from a bunch of career bureaucrats. And Leslie, Leslie answers as though she had rehearsed this many times in her head. Yeah. 
Leslie, you're the next link in a wonderful chain that stretches back to when our town was founded and we believe in you and we support you and we'll be following your career and you are the chosen one or, or, or something. <laughs> Leslie then tells Ron that the worst part of all of this is that she wants to be the parks director, but mm-hmm. every single person who was parks director hated their job and hated everyone they worked with. And she gives Ron a worried look and asks, are we going to hate each other someday? To which Ron smiles and says, I don't think so. I think we're going to be fine. Um, Foreshadowing. I know, I know. (laughs) Leslie postulates since Ron is park director and not going anywhere and she wouldn't ever, you know, stab him in the back or anything to get his position. Maybe she should go somewhere like Eagleton or wherever to to maybe for her career. Um, And Ron tells her, Leslie, you don't have to move to Eagleton. When I become city manager, my job is yours. And then we have two very quick talking heads, one right after the other. The first of Ron saying, right. of course, my first act as a city manager will be to propose eliminating the parks department. Although I do expect a spirited debate with Leslie. Leslie immediately on the heels of this with her own talking head says, right. well, who knows what the future holds for me? Maybe I'll leapfrog Ron's job and become city manager. Of course, my first act as a city manager would be to double the size of the parks department. <laughs> Although I do expect a fight from Ron, but I'll win. Uh, and then this, this scene ends really nicely with Marta bringing in their orders. Yeah. Um, and Ron thanks her. Mm, thank you, darling. And Leslie says to Ron, why would anyone ever eat anything besides breakfast food? Ron's answer, people are idiots, Leslie. And it ends with <laughs> Leslie kind of eating her waffles and whipped cream oh. and Ron crunching down on his bacon. And they both go mm, mm. at the same time. Just, mm. That's great. Yeah, I love that last sequence, Mark. I know that's become a meme I've seen literally everywhere I've ever looked. And uh, I love it. It's iconic. Yes, it certainly is. Good word. Well, I think the only thing left are a couple sequences that happened the next day. We're back at City Hall and, you know, enough time has gone by. I think it's probably not the next day as much as it's maybe a couple of days because the summer catalogs have arrived. You know, that's a good point. I think I had assumed it was the next day. But but now that you said that, I bet you're right. I bet it is a few days later or, or, or however or a week or however long it takes yeah. to print them out. So, yeah, it's morning, I think, at City Hall, I want to say. And, and we see Jerry using a dolly to bring in several boxes full of the newly printed summer catalog. Jerry places a box on one of the central tables and he opens it up and he starts distributing the catalogs to everybody. And we then hear a Leslie talking head, which kind of serves as an audible dictation of what everybody is reading when they open the summer catalog. So we see several shots of various people reading along with Leslie's spoken words, including mm-hmm. Anne and Andy and April. <laughs> so Leslie starts by saying, uh, and I assume these are the literal words in the summer catalog, my fellow Pawnians, yes, it's here. The Parks Department's summer catalog has arrived. And for the first time in 20 years, tennis is back. Peruse this wondrous book at your leisure and take advantage of everything this great town has to offer. There is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant decision that the writers made with this. We see April 
gazing at the cover photo of the catalog and we don't see it immediately. And then it yep. turns and we see what it is instead of one of the pictures that Tom took of Mark and Ann, they ended up using a quick selfie taken by Andy of himself and April on their little mini picnic with Andy, with Andy grinning happily at the camera and April gazing at Andy with the biggest smile we have ever seen on her face. This is by far one of the smartest and most touching things they've ever done. Like kudos to the writers for this. It's so terrific. Le Leslie continues. Time is fleeting. My fellow punnians make the most of it while you can. And then the shot goes to her reading it at her desk. Now I recently had the honor of spending an afternoon with every living former parks director. And they taught me a valuable lesson. There is nothing more important than friendship. <laughs> So I think that's the end of it. And then the camera real quick turns 90 degrees to Ron, who is standing in the doorway of Leslie's office, listening to her read this. Uh, and he says, it's a little flowery. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I like a couple of things about that. Like you said, in the buildup to us seeing the actual cover, we see April's reaction to it. We see uh, other park uh, office people's reaction to it. We see Andy's reaction to it and, and everyone seems to like it and appreciate it. And I, I think after you see it and you see this is great shot of April and Andy that you described very well, you think now realizing kind of what you, what, how are they reacting to it? I think April was very pleased. She's kind of, she's reliving and enjoying the moment. But I think Andy is too. And especially after this kind of rejection that he dropped on her, you know, at the bar, um, I think it's kind of nice to know that he he has fond memories of that, too. And I think he enjoyed himself. I think it's how, how he's going to get past this. I, I, I think you're right. I think in the the aftermath of, of him rejecting April, it just it's it's kind of a blur in my head. But I'd like to think that he reacted to it like you just described. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the only thing left after this, Mark, is the kicker. Um, Leslie and Ron are blowing off some steam in Ron's office, and uh, and then we're going to go to black here in a second. Yeah, there's there's not a lot that happens. Like you said, they're they're playing darts. They're just blown off steam, and I, I think they're mostly chatting about the former directors and like you know whatever. And like Ron had said, oh, you know, I got to give Michael credit; he can make one hell of a water pipe, you know, out of anything. Um, <laughs> and and so. Ron throws his dart and the camera goes to where it landed on the dartboard. And at this point, we see the miserable picture of the four parks directors, not the censored orgy one, yeah. but but yeah. like the actual one um, right. put up over the dartboard. Ron's dart has gone between Clarence's legs. <laughs> and Leslie's <laughs> like, oh, nice shot. And Ron says, right in Clarence's ancient junk. And then. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie throws her dart and it whack goes right below David's chin. And they both go, Oh, in, in the, the neck. neck. <laughs> Fade to black. <laughs> That's terrific. Yeah. It was a great kicker. Yeah, yeah it was very, very satisfying. I could totally understand the, uh, the enjoyment of seeing those guys get impaled by darts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, that was a great breakdown. Let's do this. Let's uh, let's take a real quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk deleteds and some tropes and first and fun facts and we'll score it and we'll go home. Let's do it, man. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Has life worn you down to an empty husk of your former self? Has the last year or so left you with the realization that if you don't expand your horizon soon, you may self implode like a giant neutron star? 
Do you enjoy learning new things, even if they're taught to you by your lazy-eyed neighbor Phil from Four Houses Down? If so, then the William Percy Recreation Center may have just what you're looking for. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Until recently, I have had absolutely zero interest in promoting this specific institution, following a somewhat questionable first-hand experience with them a while back. However, they recently approached me about offering a Woodworking for Everyone class, and I can now say that I am happily on board. While my own personal class will clearly be the best choice for anyone, I am aware that working with one's hands to create beautifully crafted, handmade pieces of art may not be within your reach. If this describes you, I recommend you look at one of the many other classes offered by other, less impressive instructors who also teach here. Some of their more interesting offerings include, but are not limited to, The Art of Walking, Apparently, it's more than just putting one foot in front of the other. Very zen. Street Fighting Mathematics Attack with Algebra, Garrot with Geometry, and Kill with Calculus Taking the perfect selfie for those who have not yet learned how to be insufferably vain. The Philosophy of the Simpsons Yes, this is for real. Do not have a cow, man. Unless a grill is involved, in which case, please have a cow. Man. Yeti hunting. Hunting the legendary beast of the Great North. Doubles as a survival course in case you need to visit your local library. Dressing for success. After a year of button-down shirts and sweatpants, learn about life after Zoom. Lady Gaga. Yes, I am serious. I do not have a... P-p-poker face. The amazing world of bubbles. Whatever you do, don't blow this class. <laughs> That's a good one. How to watch television. Just imagine all these years you have been doing it all wrong. And finally, one of my personal favorites, surviving the zombie apocalypse, which I assure you is coming. Be sure to tell them Ron sent you and get a signed autograph from Maria Portalsman of Organizing Your Life with Maria Portalsman. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, welcome back. Well, Mark, you know, I clocked the deleted scenes as I always do. And I, I think this week I counted th roughly 13. And you, it's always hard to count these because of the way they sometimes have jump cuts and other things. But they clocked in around six minutes, 44 seconds. We, of course, played that clip earlier uh, where, you know, Leslie is uh, letting April and Andy choose the spot as long as it's a spot she told them to go to. Yes. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, I think there's a little more of David being a jerk, a little more of Leslie's reactions, um, you know, even more of Tom doing the avant-garde, you know, photographer thing and kind of explaining his motivation for that, which is a little interesting. But generally, like always, I think they cut the stuff they should have cut. And, um, you know, and what they kept is, is really good. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I did watch through the deleted scenes and I thought that they were reasonably funny, but I agree with you. I think that they kept the good stuff. There was one that I think is worth mentioning before we move on. And it's that there's Mark says, I love you or I love you when he's walking out. I think at the hospital sequence after giving her that amazing chicken salad sandwich, mm. he says, I love you. And then there's this talking head cutaway to Anne saying, yeah, we say that to each other now. Um, Interesting. 
And and I think if they had left it in, it would have changed the dynamic of the episode and probably what comes next. Hmm. What happens next would have felt more whiplashy. I'm going to say it that way. Although I will point out in that deleted scene, she says we say it to each other, but we didn't hear her say it to him. Yeah, I caught that too. Mm. No, good, good, good catch. I, you know how I know that? Because I also caught it. That's so, great. Thank then. you. Yeah. Yeah. It's great catch. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, from, you know, moving into first and tropes, Mark, I, you know, I know last week we had a little struggle, come up with some first and we mostly had some tropes. How about you this week? I, to be honest with you, I kind of repeated last week. I, I have a decent amount of tropes. Um, I had trouble coming up with any firsts. Um, and I think one of the things is my memory is a little bad in the sense that it, I see things happen in this episode and I can't remember for sure if we revisit this in the future so as to call it a trope. Or, or I guess I'm saying that backwards. I don't consider something a first unless it eventually becomes a trope. Maybe I shouldn't consider it like that. Yeah, I, I think that was, you did kind of say that last week and I, you know, cause we had a first and last, I said, well, it's still a first. It's also a last. So, yeah. um, but I'm with you. I think it's a much shorter list every week. And this week, the only thing I had to offer was, you know, this is the first time we meet any former parks directors. I, I think that's the first time that's ever happened. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's it. That's my list. <laughs> a list of one. <laughs> well, I did better on tropes for sure. Um, yeah. You mind if I just launch into it? Go um, for them. Well, I didn't know if this was a trope or not, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it is just because it's a recurring thing. Uh, Dennis Feinstein again. Yep. So I noticed that this is also yearning by Dennis Feinstein. So the the yearning uh, perfume was the same one that Mark gave Anne back in Galentine's Day, which apparently yeah. smells horrible. Um, really bad. I, I'm very interested. You know, I think at one point we talked about um, we were a little more grand and maybe some of our imaginations of what we do with our website. And we wanted to start putting a little more out there. I would love to have a page of just all the Dennis Feinstein ads or uh, different, you know, scents. And if we could somehow make it scratch and sniff. Oh, if if the if the wide wide world of web would only catch up to the future, you know, we need jetpacks and we need scratch and sniff browsers. There you go. Yep. And the second we have it, we will do that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, what else did you have? I had um, PBJ uh, yep. softball picks uh, with the pedophile Morgan there, uh, among other things. I think that may have been the only one. That was the main one, at least. Um, also, kind of in a related vein, I had AVJ, April versus Jerry, which we had said she kind of has a little bit of a little bit it's of good. an antagonistic uh, relationship with them. I think more than yeah. the others do. Um, yeah. I had uh, OMG, open mouth grin. Uh, I caught it when Tom tricked Mark and Ann to come into his office and basically said, do you want to be my photo subjects? Bing. Um, I had FDR. Food driven Ron, which is just simply that we see Ron driven forward by love of food or meat or bacon yeah. or him being hungry or whatever. And this was yeah. no exception. Mine was FMR, which is food motivated Ron. But yeah, same thing. Yeah. And then I had BFFE, which stands for breakfast food fixes everything. <laughs> and I don't know if we've I had like that, that before, but I kind of no. think maybe we should. You know, because it seems like there's a lot of happy endings, so to speak, that kind of wrap up with, you know, waffles and whipped cream or, or whatever. It's brilliant. I totally yeah. with you. Yeah, that is <laughs> trademark mark done. 
Trademark Mark. Trademark Mark. uh, Yeah, trademark Mark. (laughs) So what I missed, did you have any others? Well, I think Mark, from the ones you didn't, I had a lot of the same ones you had, but I also had overprepared Leslie. Um, I thought, you know, when you talked about that wall inside the conference room, you know, it looks like one of those crime scene, you know, investigations or, you know, kind of a tracking the serial killer over 40 years kind of things. It was a very complicated <laughs> layout. And Leslie spent a lot of time. It on really that. was. Yeah. And as you pointed yeah, out, did. too, she clearly cares about this catalog. So she's putting a lot of effort into it. Um, oh, a lot. Definitely. I, yeah. I, I said, you know, um, I, you know, I missed a first and, and honestly, it's because I accidentally put it under tropes, but I think it actually is probably more of a first. It's just the first dump on Eagleton. It's not, it, it's the Eagleton was a trope for sure. We've already talked Eagleton. This is the first time anybody's ever said anything bad about it though. Like you wouldn't want to go there that it's going to ultimately be the nemesis of Pawnee. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been mentioned, you know, and yeah, no, no, you're right. They they mentioned it before, but it wasn't in the sense of, oh, darn it, we hate Eagleton. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on it here, but, you know, generally they're starting to set that that idea that we don't like Eagleton and they're going to double down eventually. They sure are. Yep. Uh, that's all I had for first and tropes, um, you know, on the goof side. Um, I did not track this one. I do not consider it a goof, but I noted that somebody else pointed out that this scene with April and Andy at the bar where she gets ID'd and he, quote, realizes she's 20 is a goof. And they pointed out because earlier um, we're made aware of April's age when Andy is actually bartending at, at Leslie's house. We kind of mentioned that before, you know, with all the uh, the rec center teachers there. And when he gets mad at her, he takes her wine away and says, you're underage. So he clearly knows that she is the age she is. I did mm. not read the scene at Tucker's as him realizing that she was underage as much as getting a harsh reminder that she's quite a bit younger than him 10 years in fact and and so i admit I, that's the way i interpreted the scene it was like getting presented mm-hmm. with this idea that you know but you'd like to ignore but there it is and i think it's more that mm-hmm. than it is that he learns something here so i'm going to dis that's what i meant i wanted to disagree with you i also want to disagree that it's a goof because I, I i interpreted it totally differently and i'm right and i see yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you are right. Uh, I because I mean, unless he has such completely bad memory that he forgot yeah. it between then and there, I, I think you're probably right. Um, I, I guess the reaction I would imagine would be kind of the same whether you're learning it for the first time, and going "oh crap," or being reminded of it and going sure. "oh crap." But but that's an interesting distinction. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I think he's really been enjoying this time with her, and it's just like, oh yeah, she is a little younger. Um, so, but again, we'll see what he does with it. Yep, good call. The last thing I had was a fun fact, and this is, you know, uh, our pedophile friend Morgan, (laughs) that picture that is in Andy's slideshow. I am 99.7% sure that that's a picture of Morgan Sackett, the executive producer of this show. And if I, you know, if we know Michael Schur's uh, sense of humor at all, I guarantee you that's a picture of Morgan Sackett. See, that's that's interesting. And I think your your suggestion is going to be better than mine. Remember the uh, uh, when they um, when they did the second episode of, ep- of season one canvassing and remember yes. how they met all those characters. Wasn't oh, yeah. one of them a sex offender? And I thought and I couldn't remember 
if if it was, I thought maybe is this a callback and I was too lazy to look, it's but not. I think your explanation makes much more sense. Yeah. No, okay. that guy was kind of goofy looking and kind of nerdy looking. I, I remember him. I very funny, very funny scene, but not the same guy. So not, not, not technically a callback. Okay. Um, just more than one sex okay. offender in Pawnee, which, you know, sad. Go figure. <laughs> it's a big city. Well, Mark, should we move into our scores? Yes, let's let's do that. Um, what do you think? You, are you brave enough? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? What do you think? Here's what I think we should do. Let's go together. Then you'll go first in explaining your score. But instead of saving the score, I want to just go one, two, three and shout our scores. Oh, you're... You're you're living dangerously, but you know what? I'm the hell. I'm game. All right. Uh, Let's try let something new this week. Here. Yeah, I agree. You know the 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 kids, Alan. They get bored yeah. when we're we're too uh, repetitive. Yeah, let, let's let's yeah. do new stuff. All right. Ready? All right. One, two, two three, three, eight, four, eight and a half. <laughs> we still screwed it up. You weren't supposed to say four, but that's okay. I. T- Oh my gosh. All right. So if I heard your score right, uh, yeah. Sir Allen um, of the round table there, uh, your yeah. score was just, an eight. My score was an eight and yours was an eight and a half. So explain yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. <clears throat> so, so here's, here's what I typically do. I think about the characters in the episode and how they did, et cetera. So here's right. just a quick rundown. Leslie, I think we got to look into her love of Pawnee, her political aspirations and her relationship with Ron. I, I thought that Amy Poehler had some really funny moments and, and I like seeing Leslie struggle for her ideals that she believes in. I think that shows something about her character. Um, and I just, I really enjoy that, that part of it plot wise and character wise. It's yeah, a good call. Ron, I thought had some really funny moments, some very, um, nice mending of fences with Leslie who he respects very, very much. Um, April and Andy, I thought that there was some great interplay between the both of them for sure. I mean, a lot like, like I think I feel like their relationship is very believable. I honestly do. And I thought Andy had some nice goofball moments, quite a few of them actually. And I, I, April had maybe to date one of the most heartbreaking moments I've seen. It was just, it was like a punch in the gut when, when Andy rejected her. Um, Tom, <laughs> the raccoon hat bits, awesome in the cold open. Um, taking the avant-garde pictures was funny. I'm glad that they didn't make that go on for too long. I mean, it was funny, but I was ready for it to, I get it. I was ready for it to yeah. be over. Um, yeah. Ann and Mark, you know, as per usual, not particularly ha-ha funny, but I feel like for Ann and Mark, there were some interesting plot moments that, that kind of have gone forward here. And it's, and I'm, I'm, you know how people say, sorry, not sorry. I'm sad, not sad to see their relationship start to dissolve. Like I, okay, I get it. And I'm, I'm ready for it. And it's, it's, it's kind of painful, but okay, let's, let's do it. Um, for, for Jerry and Donna, you know, I was about to say they weren't in this very much. And they were in here a little bit. I mean, not, not a ton, but, but, they, they made a good showing like Donna was in there in, in the opening scene and Jerry had the PBJ moment and the softball picks with the pedophile. So they were in there a little bit. So I'm saying all this to say, I think that it, it, was this the absolute best use of their deep comedic bench? Probably not, but close. So I think they did a pretty good job. <clears throat> um, 
you and I had commented a little bit, Alan, it seemed like they took some direction in this episode. Uh, I noticed that there were a lot of longer shots. Um, Hmm. And I think you had made a a comment at one point, and I don't know if this is just on my brain now, but it seems as though (laughs) there are parts of this show that are becoming slightly reminiscent of the great, great show, The West Wing. And this is this is one of them that they're having longer shots. Uh, I could be off base here, but that was just something that occurred to me. Um, I I think so. I want to say one last thing and then I'm going to get into my score. I think it's interesting to compare storylines that I'm not in favor of for, for different reasons. So for example, mm. for Mark and Anne, I just found them a little boring. I, I I'm not, and just, it, I don't think it works. Yeah. I'm not, not as much as other stuff could. I'll say it like that. Um, <clears throat> when Andy pines after Anne, I just thought it was stupid. I didn't see plot value there. I wanted Andy to move on. So when Andy rejected April and it was like a punch in the freaking gut, Should I subtract points for that? And I'm going to say no, because I actually think this is a good foundation if I was going to for adding points. The reason is simple. The cast and writers of Parks and Rec have made me really, really care about this relationship between April and Andy. So much so that it viscerally affected me like a punch to the gut when those scenes played out. For them to have made me care that much about their relationship is quite simply it's amazing. And it's the sign of a great, great show. You know, I want Andy and April to be together. Is the, you know, yeah. Do I want Andy and April to be together? Yes. Is this roller coaster ride a bad thing? I'm going to say no. Like as much as I might boo Andy's character for that decision, I am totally invested in this plot. And so that's, that's yeah. one of the reasons I love this show. Um, all right. Sorry, enough of my rambling. I'll get off my soapbox. Here's my score. So this is my my reasoning for my 8.5. Okay. I thought that this was a great story. I thought it had great plot points, great relationship points. I gave this a 4.5 base score. I was really impressed with this. Um, I gave a bonus point for Ron and Leslie fighting through the whole episode and then mending fences over breakfast food. I gave half a point for Leslie snapping and calling all the former directors and oh. Ron turds. <laughs> I just love it when she when she gets mad, she gets mad. Um, I'm going to give half a point for Ron's hunger tantrums because I just personally think that's hysterical. Um, I'm going to give half a point for the brilliant use of photos showing to Mark and us Anne's unadmitted unhappiness. I, I think yeah. that that's a great plot device. It's really, it really smart. I, I think I'm going to give another half point for April's heartbreaking scene when Andy rejected her and said he had to go just because it affected me like that, like such a punch in the gut. Um, And I'm going to give a whole bonus point for the absolutely brilliant and partially heartbreaking use of having the April Andy uh, selfie be the cover photo. That was such a good plot device. And and it's it's almost a callback to what they did in the show for Mark and Ann by how happy they are. So just such good writing, such good plot devices, I was toggling between an eight and an eight and a half. And I think that's what put it over for me. So that, that that's my reasoning. What you got, buddy? Well, that was great, Mark. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, I had the same struggle between eight and eight and a half. This is about the third week in the row for that. In fact, um, you know, and I think I, I recanted a couple of scores ago um, and kind of lowered a score from eight and a half to eight. Here, I could almost be convinced to take my score in the other direction and give it the eight and a half. So we we had uh, matching scores this week. <laughs> I'll tell you the one reason I didn't, because I agree with everything you said, and I won't repeat much of it because I don't really want you know to put people through that. You said it well, and there's no reason for me to restate it. Um, 
I think if the B storyline, the 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 photo shoot storyline had been funnier or better, I thought it did well to introduce the idea of this kind of growing schism or Anne's unhappiness or to set things in that direction so that when it ultimately happens, we understand how we got there. I just didn't think it was very funny. I didn't like, you know, Tom and and really Aziz, you wind him up and let him go. And he's usually very, very funny. The cold open is an excellent example of that. And if you watch even more of those, there are some really funny ones. In fact, you see the actresses that they hired to, walking by with a, in even a few of the cruder comments he makes. They're just like laughing. They can't help it. And so not only was it probably not quite ready for prime time, uh, but you know, the actress, you know, literally didn't keep it together. So they, they put it in the deleted bucket. Um, there are equal amounts of wind Aziz up and let him go as Tom on this whole auteur kind of avant-garde photographer thing. I don't know. It just didn't translate. I get what they were going for. I think it was a funny idea. It just wasn't all that funny in its execution. And so for me, I think if it had been as good as I wanted it to be, this would have been an easy 8.5. Um, if you look at the the graph, and I don't usually base my score on what other people say, I do sometimes go look to see, did other people kind of think of this the way I did, though? Mm. And if you look at this episode, you know, kind of looking at the the peaks and valleys of the second half of season two and the where they hit on based on the score meter between, a, you know, a whatever and a 10. A lot of other people thought this episode kind of took a step backwards from last week. Um, and, and, you know, in, in retrospect, I, I watched it with my wife and daughter a couple of days ago and and they laughed out loud literally at the same things I did. So it's a very funny episode. And I think, you know, the, the those scores that were given to it were even harsher than my eight, which I don't think is fair. But I, I think that's why I didn't go 8.5. I just wish the B storyline had been a little better. I got bored. I think you said it were exactly right. I got a little bored with it. That's unusual in this show. I, I, I like that. You know, I, I think that you encapsulated actually how I how I feel about the Tom photo shoot thing better than I did. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I think it was a funny idea. And there are so many times you can wind up a cease and just let him go. I, I like you said, I just didn't feel like it translated that well. And, and for me, I, you know, I, I already said why I liked it so much. And I think I would have stayed at 8.5 had the had the B story actually been funnier. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would have been tempted to give this a nine. Um, I can see that. But, you know, I I felt like this is also a great uh, example of um, I thought that there are some extremely funny moments in this show. But for me personally, the thing that really started to push this over onto the high scores is the thing that the. I, I mean, I, I don't want this to sound cheesy or bombastic, but the plot is just so good. I enjoy the story. And and that, I think, is really cool, where you can watch a sitcom and you can enjoy an episode wholeheartedly apart from the haha moments. I mean, don't get me wrong. You, can't, you, you can't have none. <laughs> yeah. But but I like the story and the relationship so much. I would have enjoyed it regardless. You know, well, let, let me say again what you just said better once again than you did. <laughs> The, the depth at which they write this show is sometimes surprising for a sitcom, right? Yeah. They, it, it's advanced in so many ways that many sitcoms, three and a half men, uh, two and a half men, whatever it's called. That's one too many men. <laughs> it would be funnier if there were three and a half men. Um, but anyway, 
the the things they do with this show, the the care that they give it, and the the advanced I'll call it the advanced course in, in sitcom writing that's going on here under the hoods, under the hood. It's easy to miss those things and not really appreciate them. And that's why I like this rewatch you and I are doing. We talked about this a few weeks back. When you look at it through this this critical eye, this critical lens, you do get to see some things that you don't just you can take for granted way too easily. So um, I, I'm right there with you. I, I you maybe have convinced me to go eight and a half. Uh, either way, <laughs> solid show. Um, and uh, I, I enjoyed reviewing it with you, Mark. And, you know, I just want to make one last point, uh, regardless of whether you put your score up to 8.5, which is the correct score. Um, yeah. You know, we've also said in the past, uh, or I think I have, or I think you've agreed with me, though, on this, that that there's there's a lot of this show that reminds me of the great, great show Arrested Development. And yeah. I would say, like uh, Arrested Development is a show that if I was kind of doing something and I was just watching it on the side, just like off the corner of my eye, yeah. there would be a yeah. lot of haha moments and I would appreciate it for what it is, is just being sure. freaking funny. Yeah. You pay attention to it and yeah. now you enjoy it double fold. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it just yeah. it kind of explodes into the detail that's there. I feel the same way about this. Like I could have easily seen myself when I first saw this episode going, this is pretty freaking funny. Paying attention to it like this made me go, holy crap, they're smart. Like, I really yeah, appreciate the plot devices they use, you know? So yeah. anyway, that's it. Well, Mark, I, I agree with you. And I think George Sr. said it best. There's always money in the banana stand. I love it. I love it. Great callback. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. Um, we will be back next week. We're going to review 94 meetings. Uh, we've got four episodes of season two left to go. And we've kind of already planned out the rest of season two. And we're going to take a little break between season two and season three. And I'm really looking forward to these uh, these last four episodes of season two, Mark. I agree. I think season two has been outstanding. And I think these four episodes are not going to let us down. I would absolutely agree with that. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for joining us. And we will see you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.